The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of The Heat Check, media day has come and gone, and let me tell you, a whole lot of shit is poppin'. We'll get into the highlights from Atlanta to the Warriors. We'll hear from everyone from Jimmy Butler to Steph Curry to Nick Nurse and of course Michael Don't Call Me Mike Malone. We'll have a special guest interview as well with Fox Sports reporter Jerome Weitzman to spill the tea and get into the reporting that he just did on Daryl Morey and James Harden's relationship and why it was always doomed to fail. Really good shit from Jerome. He was awesome. Can't wait to get into it, William. So drop that generic ass beat. It should be Rihanna. We're breaking down all the biggest NBA storylines. You're tuned in to the Heat Check. The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association. All right. So media day has come and gone. And now we're into the first days of camp. In other words, a new season, folks, is upon us. Where did the summer go? Where did it go? (laughs) I wish we had time to dig into every team. I really do. Um, But unfortunately, that would pretty much take the entire week. I would be recording from sunup to sundown. There was so much to go over. A lot of meat on that bone, so they say. So we're going to highlight the teams that caught my interest on Media Day based on either current storylines or just ridiculous things that they said. Uh, And we will drop some sound and, of course, react. So many wild statements, so little time. We will begin with the Atlanta Hawks because, well, they are alphabetically first, and let's be honest, they're a fucking mess. So much has happened in the East with the big teams. I kind of forgot the Atlanta Hawks existed. I mean, didn't you? Have they made any moves that give you any confidence that they're going to be able to compete on any real level besides being the 13th team in the Eastern Conference? No, there's not. Of course, though, Trey Young continues to be wildly confident in himself, uh, wildly overstating his place in the NBA. The first clip is none other than from Trey Young. He was asked, hey, Trey Young, um, what are your thoughts about playing for the FIBA World Cup team or getting actually left off? And this is what he had to say. If you don't, if you don't think I've, I've been disrespected, I mean, it's... He's not, he's not telling the truth, but I mean, it's okay. For me, I just want to go out there and keep, keep the main thing, the main thing is, is winning. And I know when I win a championship, all that's going to take care of itself. So uh, I don't really care about anything else. I just focus on my team and I'm ready to win. So. Pause. I know when I win a championship, that's going to be all worth it. What is it? I know when I win a championship, what? It's going to take care of itself. Do we think actually Trey Young is the most disrespected 
player in the entire NBA? I mean, I know a lot of people don't like him. I know that. I know that one player in particular didn't like him, who was John Collins. It had to have been just an absolute putting nails into your eyeballs kind of play style. He is salty. Trey Young is straight salty about being overlooked. Uh, will he get a look for the 2024 Olympics? The truth is no. No. Undersized point guards can't play in international games. Magic 8-Ball says, better luck next time, Trey. Second soundbite comes from a guy with uh, so much damn talent of the Atlanta Hawks that has largely gone unrealized. And his name is DeAndre Hunter, one of the most... I would say versatile players that random NBA teams could trade for. When asked what he worked on this summer, uh, here is what DeAndre Hunter had to say. I didn't work on anything. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> oh, okay. Jesus Christ. You just didn't pick up a ball? You didn't seek to improve? I spent a summer rehabbing an entire house, and I don't feel like I worked on anything either. Did I get abs? I did not. Did I improve my VO2 max? No, I did not. Did I get on a new uh, nutritional regimen? I did not. What did we learn from the Hawks Media Day? It's still a mess. Yeah, it is still a mess. Click Capella was busy watching soccer workouts. Patty Mills, very excited to introduce his golden doodle to Piedmont Park. Quinn Snyder, head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, stated the obvious, hey, um, Trey Young can't be a turnstile. Uh, quote, defense has to be a decision. Uh, at that point is when you can start to get better. I don't know if this team will make a decision to play defense, especially as long as Trey Young runs this ship. Let's move on to the Boston Celtics, shall we? Uh, they have had a ton of interest in media day. By the way, Lauren Holiday, is that her name? Drew Holiday's wife blew the Milwaukee Bucks up on social media. We will talk about that, I am sure, at some point soon in the future. But it might have to do with Drew fucking Holiday, who published the sweetest goodbye you'll ever see to Bucks fans, followed by his wife's very, 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 very salty Instagram post about the trade. Since Drew couldn't be there for media day, most of the Boston Celtics spent their time either saying goodbye. It's so hard to say goodbye to our heart and soul. Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Rob Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, and Welcoming Holiday. They lost a ton of pieces, didn't they? Mostly a Welcoming Holiday, let's be honest. They're like, fuck everybody else. We got the best pointed attack defender in the league, and we don't have to give the ball to, to Jalen Brown in crunch time. By the way, did you see Jalen Brown trying to dribble with his left hand today? Should not have posted that, Boston. Should not have posted it. Brad Stevens uh, summed up everyone's thoughts best when he said this. I mean, you know, there's a, <clears throat> there's a list of guys in the league that you always think you'll never have a real chance to get that you think are like perfect fits and um that you'd love to be a celtic and drew was you know one of those guys and um and the reasons are i mean everybody can see what he does on the court um and he's a really good player multiple time all-star the defense has been well documented etc but i think it's the you know just the he, he's an elite um teammate elite 
um, competitive character, you know, all of those things. Um, so, you know, uh, like you said, it's not one that you predict will necessarily um, you know, have a chance to, to get. You knew the price was going to be, you know, really high. and um, But he's a guy that we think is a great fit for us and, you know, does so many good things on and off the court for us. God, Brad Stevens, I'm glad he's not a coach anymore. He is so fucking boring. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. We love Drew. We love Drew. We love Drew. Can't go wrong bringing in Drew Holiday. He's that type of player. He really is. He's the type of player that everybody wants on their team, not just because of what he brings on the court, but because of what he brings off the court as well. Jason Tatum agreed. We brought in good guys, good guys who are great people, great teammates. I think they've done a really good job of that. I'm excited about the team we have. Another interesting soundbite came from Chris Dapp's Porzingis. I guess we don't have the bite of that. I couldn't find that. But he was asked about how um, comfortable he was uh, that he's been moved from the four to the five now that Time Lord's been traded. And he said, um, oh, I didn't know I was going to be doing that. But I do think it's a tough job for other fives to guard me. The funniest moment was when Jalen Brown discussed going to the Colorado football game with Derek White. They hit the tailgate early, and according to Jalen Brown, D. White was drunk at 10 a.m. Campus legend. Buffalo legend. Safe to say, though, that we got all kinds of stuff going on with the Boston Celtics where the vibes are as high as they've been in forever, despite losing four of their top seven players. I wonder, though, does Peyton Pritchard still want to be traded? Because I feel like he's losing even more spots down the rotation. We move down to the Brooklyn Nets. Very quiet offseason. Hellacious past few years. The James Harden trade. The Kevin Durant trade, the Kyrie Irving trade, lots of trades, Jared Allen trade, uh, the Steve Nash experiment. Things have been bleak, uh, but <laughs> they are looking on the up and up. We begin with Nick Clas- Claxton, who had some uh, fascinating thoughts many, many months later after not winning Defensive Player of the Year. So I went from being top three in the Defensive Player of the Year voting to at the end of the season, nothing at all. When Katie and Kyrie, when they left, it's like my name just fell off the map. It makes my blood boil. It, it, say it again. It makes my blood boil. <laughs> I was robbed of a defensive team. My numbers, my numbers were amazing. I passed every eye test. He said, it's like my name fell off the map. No, sir. It wasn't just your name, Nick. It was the entire Brooklyn Nets name as a whole. He does have a point. Lala eyeballs turned off when it wasn't Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving in Nets uniforms. After the trade deadline, of course, Nick Claxton, one of my favorite players in the league, continued to ball out. But more interesting to me was the standard yearly Ben Simmons is back it's scary hours, ready to play his natural position, which is what? It was a little up and down option from the start. Um, I mean, it's hard for a coach to really trust and believe in you when he's not seeing it, right? And I'm not able to physically do it. He can't see it. And, you know, as a coach, I'll do the same thing. Well, I'm not going to play you. You know, you're not able to compete and do the things, you, you know, I know you can do, right? So I think 
just this time I've taken the time to get healthy, obviously. Um, he's come, he came down to Miami a few times and saw me. I think that's what was, that was, that's what it was. You know, he's able to see me get healthy, uh, put the work in, put the time in, and focus on myself and, and show him that I want to, you know, play at this level and be, be the point guard and do these things. Wait, 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 wait. He said to, I want to be the point guard? I thought that experiment ended. Oh my God, no, Ben, please. It's worked so well before in Philly, didn't it? Jacques Vaughn had some skeptical quotes about Ben Simmons, especially as a point guard a few weeks ago. So I am dubious of this. In some other Nets news, Cam Johnson is hurt, says he expects to play sometime this year, which is... That is a big yikes. Mikael Bridges thinks Ben is going to have a huge year because Mikael Bridges, Bridges is your resident optimist on the team. And Cam Thomas still is, has no idea how the Nets are going to use him, but he is ready to chuck whenever he gets the ball. So not much has changed uh, in the Cam Thomas universe since the last time we saw him putting up 40 shots in a game. Brooklyn's not going to be good, but they... They've got some spunk about them, you know? Like, I kind of like their confidence, even though they're going nowhere. Might take a few years for them to get where they want to go. Nothing from Dorian Finney-Smith. That's weird. Maybe it's like he's on the trade block. No one had as much to unveil during media day, though, though as the Milwaukee Bucks. I can barely even say their name. I'm so mad that they have my guy, Dame Lillard. After all, they, of course, pulled off the biggest trade of the season. More off, moreover, they did it in silence, like lasagna. Real G's move in silence. Everyone wants to know, though, how Giannis is dealing with the trade. And, of course, that was the first thing that Giannis talked about on Media Day. Having a guy like Dame on the team, it's, um, it's unbelievable. Um, knows how to play the game, uh, plays the game in the high level, um, built from the same cloth, uh, wants to win, is extremely hungry. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I've been here 10 years and we've been doing things quietly, you know. Uh, we kind of be moving under the radar and now, you know, with this kind of move, uh, it brings a lot of, uh, you know, attention to the team and there's a lot of hype around the team and uh, obviously we, I believe and I think people believe that we are uh, one of the best teams in, uh, in the East, but at the end of the day, it's not about what we believe or what people believe, it's about what we what we do, you know. And and we'll see. If they don't do what Giannis thinks that they should do, maybe he won't sign that extension after all. Safe to say Giannis, very happy to have a sharpshooter on the floor for the first time since the 2021 version of Chris Middleton, who, by the way, may or may not be healthy right now. Adrian Griffin, Adrian Griffin, you got to see what he had to say, which he absolutely is gaslighting folks about where Chris Middleton is, what the game plan is to get him back because he's not practicing right now. All he knows is that Chris Middleton is on track to play at some point, whenever that's supposed to be. Does he know when that's supposed to be? No, he doesn't. Uh, love that guy. We do get to hear from Dame himself. What did he have to say about the new move? I am who I'm going to be. You know, it's just a matter of how well I can take care of myself. Um, you know, how sharp I can be. And, you know, just whatever that situation was, just being able to um, get my feet on the ground and then start, you know, locking into it and understand what what our purpose is, what's expected of me, what, what kind of basketball are we going to play, what, what kind of personnel are we going to have. And 
Um, I think coming into this situation is um, very, very easy. You know, you look at somebody like Giannis, you look at Chris, you look at Brooke, you look, you know, when I looked at the roster, it was very easy for me to make sense of, you know, what my job is going to be. Yeah, it's a perfect fit, Dame. We all know it. Uh, hand and glove. I don't even know why you need to rub it in uh, about how easy it's going to be for you and Giannis to succeed, but maybe you should be a little quieter about it. You know what I mean? Kind of lost in the hullabaloo, though, uh, over Dame was the fact that the Bucks made in another impactful signing, which was campaign. He averaged 10-4-3 for the Suns. He was a, a player who, when Chris Paul got hurt in the finals, was putting up buckets, shoots 38% from three. You get him on a one-year deal for $3 million? That's a steal. The funniest thing that everybody was talking about uh, for the Bucks actually took place in Miami, where emo Jimmy Butler was sulking. And he looks at Media Day as his Halloween, declares that he has no ill will towards Dame or Giannis, but he hates Adrian Griffin and wants to stomp him out in the playoffs. Everyone knows I don't like Adrian Griffin at all since my Chicago days. What the fuck? I, did anybody know that? Of course, Jimmy Butler was trolling again. Adrian was an assistant in Chicago. Jimmy Butler was with the Bulls. Often picked him, picked him up to drive him to practice. So they're fun. Jimmy Butler always being the clown. Dame is settling in. It looks like things are going to work out in Milwaukee. But there are only two big questions. Can the Bucks stay healthy? Because for two years, they have not been healthy. Uh, especially what is giving me great pause is that we don't know what's happening with Chris Middleton. And it doesn't seem like anyone really wants to tell us the truth. Kind of feels like Watergate over here uh, with just the deletion of tapes. Nobody knows. You got to read the, the transcript about what Adrian Griffin said as it relates to Chris Middleton because it's insane. I can't even read the whole thing. I'll just get mad. Uh, and two, whether a rookie coach can handle the big three, especially when he's obviously a gaslighter. We'll talk about the Bucks a lot later uh, this year, I promise you. Just like we're going to spend a lot of time discussing the L.A. Lakers, baby, who, let's face it, they are national news no matter what they do, and they've got a lot of things to say. They were active during media day. Rob Palinka, GM of the L.A. Lakers, he's gone a long way towards building his reputation, building it back up after that awful Russell Westbrook trade. Awful. Oh, my God. He got murdered in the streets. I thought he was maybe the worst GM in the league. And then he came back and he redeemed himself by good draft pick after good draft pick. They go to the Western Conference Finals. But then every now and again, just when you start to think you're getting faith in Rob Polinka, he says something that makes you question everything you thought about him. Like that Austin Reeves is channeling Kobe Bryant? I think his core qualities line up with, um, with you know, the tenets of the Mamba gene. Okay, what? We've, we've heard enough. I don't need to know anymore about why you think that's true. You know better. And this is, by the way, for folks who are not inside on the T, Rob Polinka was Kobe Bryant's agent. And you're going to compare Austin Reese to the Mamba mentality? Bitch, please. Darvin Ham, by the way, has spent a lot of time with the mic in his face, uh, like Palenka. He also has engaged in some head scratchers like this one. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Multi-assorted uh, lineup out there with, with, with different players. And so you may see us out there playing small with Austin, D'Lo, uh, Gabe, and Torian at the four, and Bron at the five. Maybe. Excuse me, stop trying to make LeBron James the center happen. The Lakers have, I don't know how many guys that are 6'9 and above, and centers. And for whatever reason, Darvin Ham is like, yeah, let's put every guard on the floor and then just put LeBron James, whose natural position is point guard as well, and play him at the five. He also said Hood Shafino, rookie from Indiana, who I love, is the MVP of the first day of training camp. Man, the ham quotes just keep coming, boy. The funniest Laker-related news came out of Denver after several Lakers declared that the Nuggets were their biggest rival and said that the Nuggets were chirping way too much uh, about beating the Lakers, talking about LeBron James not retiring, you know, Michael Malone at the parade, blah, blah, blah. Denver coach Michael Malone was having none of that shit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't speak for anybody in L.A. You know, I can speak for uh, 17 players on our team, 18 players now in our group. But uh, if they're still worried about us, that's on them. Uh, this is a new season, new challenge, and um, it was a hell of a series against them. I know it was a 4-0 sweep, but... Hold on, hold on. Did he just... He literally just threw in a ricochet shot. He said, we're not working. We're thinking about the past. It was a hell of a series with them. I know it was a 4-0 sweep. Hold on, let's finish what he said. My God, Michael Malone, the savage. All those games seemed like they went down to the wire. And as I said after that game four, uh, we have tremendous respect for that team. I have tremendous respect for Darvin Ham as a coach and the job that he did. Um, but yeah, I, have no, I don't listen to any of that stuff. I don't know what they're saying. And You don't know what they're saying? You literally at the parade. We're talking and making fun of, and on multiple interviews, we're making fun of how LeBron James, after losing to you, made it about LeBron James retiring. Are you serious? You don't know what they're saying? That is just a, 
That is just a, come on, man. Come on, son. We know you know. He's like, you got to win to have a rivalry. This cracks me up. Everyone knows the Lakers are knows, known for their subtlety, their subdued celebrations, and they're mad at Michael Malone. Come on now. This is just, you guys are both ridiculous. Put you in a corner on timeout street. Let's move on to Phoenix. They incredibly have not been talked about, even though they had almost as active as an offseason as they did at the trade deadline. New owner Matt Ishby is like, I got money. I'm going to throw it around like Drake at a strip club in Houston. He said a couple of really interesting things. First, that it was Devin Booker all along. I've had a best time. I mean, I could when you when you dream about buying a team and and running an organization, it's fun. And then when you actually do it, it's it's ten times more fun. Is this guy on cocaine right now? <laughs> and obviously, I got to be in this great community and great opportunity. I mean, it's it's easy. Like you kind of joke, like you know, you ever seen those things on the internet? Like who would you build build your team around if you could buy an NBA team? No, seriously, does he even know what he's saying? Is he on is he on cocaine? Like my guy was Devin Booker. Like, I got to buy a team with Devin Booker. Like, I got the, like the, the dream scenario. Who else would you want to build your team around? So it starts with Devin Booker. He makes a lot of things easier um, and a lot of things fun. <laughs> this man said, I'm just a fan of Devin Booker and his Chuck Taylor, so I'm going to buy a team so that I can buy him. What is this? Like, what? Listen, Matt Ishbia, you're a little too, you're a little too quick to the trigger to spend billions of dollars for Devin Booker. Man. Also, he wished DeAndre Ayton a long, successful, hey, we wish him well in his future endeavors career while somehow, some way, finding ways to throw shade at someone he really has very little interaction with. Yeah, no, so, uh, you know, DeAndre Ayton's a great player. We love, we love to have him on the team. He's a great part of our organization. I think he's going to do great in Portland. I really think he'll put up some great numbers. And oh, God. When you say, I think somebody's going to put up great numbers, you are saying they're not a winning player. All they give you is empty stats. Keep going. Really impressed a lot of people, which is exciting for us. And I wish him nothing but the rest. He's a great person, a great guy. But for our team, you know, Nurkic was a better fit for us. And we're trying to win a championship now. And what uh, Nurkic can do on the court and what he'll do off the court and fit into our organization, um, he's a better fit for us. And that was the decision we made. He said he's a better fit, not just on the court. But off the court, what does that even mean? A better fit? Even though Aiton's like 10 times more talented than Nurk? Jesus Christ, at least Nurk is happy. What do you have to say? I mean, as far as fit, I think it's a really good fit. Um, and obviously, the reason I'm here, they really believe that I'm very fit. And I really truly mean that. Um, what I can do, you know, I'm not came here to replace no one. I'm a nerd playing the right way. I think it's really fun and, and they understand that like, having three scores, 30 points a game, it's just for the big, it's, it's amazing, man. Like to have a ability to see how they're going to guard, you know, KD, Beal or Book, who they're going to double, it'll be fun, man. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, 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 we know, Nurk. You're just happy to play your role and not do anything other than what they tell you to do. As for the rest of the Suns, Bradley Beal was very happy that he was rescued from the purgatory of the Washington Wizards. Yeah, I mean, just, he's beaming. How are you going to the situation? You know, this, you've got a second chance in life. So this is <laughs> Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 My career died. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. You're good. It's all love. It's all love. Uh, but no, 
honestly, in, in some ways, it, it did kind of rejuvenate my mental. You know, when you step foot here and, you know, and Kevin and Dev, like the first thing they say once, you know, you're considering everything is, you know, let's get in the gym. Like, okay, yeah, like that, that kind of changes everything. You don't hear that every day from your teammates, especially in the offseason. Um, but then, you know, to understand, you know, what Matt wants, his vision, uh, James, Josh, and Coach Vogel, like they – they preach winning culture every single day. And you can see the winning habits of every player, every staff member in, in the gym every single day is, is towards working towards winning that NBA championship. And so uh, in some ways, it's like I know what I signed up for. Well, you better uh, be very thankful that you have guys who can close because you cannot. Uh, so good news for Bradley Beal. He can win a championship. Doesn't have to be the leading scorer on the team anymore. Love to have a joke about his career dying in Washington. The Suns are going to be a wagon. As long as they're healthy, they're going to be really, really good. We move on to Philly where there's nothing going on there, right? Uh, they have had, how shall we say, very awkward offseason. We are going to get into the hardened tea in the next episode, but let's check in with uh, Tobias Harris, uh, who... Ask him what Ben Simmons' holdout last year told him. Um, I mean, yeah, like a few years ago when that did happen, we just learned to control what we can control, right? Like, you know, today's media day tomorrow, first day of practice. Um, we got a great group here. Everyone, collective guys out of here have been working their tails off all summer long to be ready for this moment. And, um, you know, for us, we're ready to compete new staff in place here uh, as well. So we're ready to learn a new system offensively and defensively and figure out ways that we can be at our, our best as a group. So, you know, that's all we can do. Everything else will handle itself and, and you know, we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Uh, basically control what you can control and you cannot control James Harden. Uh, speaking of which, Harden did show up to camp today. So congratulations to him. He did even practice. Nick Nurse gave his update into what's happening there. Coach, obviously James is in attendance today. How did James yeah. go with him? Yeah, it was good. Uh, we had a really good practice. I, I always get, day one, everybody's always super excited. And day two, you're always a little leery, but it was probably a, a little bit more um, intense and, and uh, energy out there today than yesterday, believe it or not. Both really good. Um, and, and of course, James was out there and, and participating and did a good job oh okay well that's that we'll put off the hardened coverage until tomorrow where we'll drop uh some additional tea but yeah things are going to be really fascinating moving forward let's do a few quick hitters here starting with the sacramento kings where according to De'Aaron fox sasha vazenkov made 143 of 150 shots in a single practice drill so look the fuck out because he's going to be a madman at king's media day though they asked every player along the way, hey, 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 what do you think about France? What do you think about Team USA? What do you think about the Olympics? De'Aaron Fox said this, and it was a shocker. About the upcoming Olympics, your name came up a lot in the buzz. What do you think that roster is going to look like, and what are you? What are your impressions looking ahead to the Olympics? I have no idea. Um, I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this. Um, <laughs> Right now, in this very moment, I really don't care what's going on with Team USA. That's not on my mind at all. Um, like I said, in the future, it could change. No, it can't because they shaded De'Aaron Fox and kept him out and they tried to keep him on the back burner and they sent him to 
wherever in the middle of the world that's not here. And then they told him, hey, you're not making the team right after that. So, yeah, uh, De'Aaron Fox is like, kind of fuck the Olympics. I'm good. Kind of refreshing. I like that honesty. On to the Spurs, where they are amped for Victor Wampayama time. Especially Popovich, who's been rejuvenated. He is effusive with praise and excitement, which is, again, very surprising. For his age, uh, he's a thinking person. Uh, he's highly intelligent. Uh, he's just a good man. So uh, he hasn't had, nor will he have, any problem blending in and gaining the respect of his teammates or uh, understanding our community and you know, what responsibilities he has there. So uh, I don't spend any moment whatsoever worrying about how he's going to blend in. Yeah, he's, he's a seven foot one, seven foot three unicorn. So I don't think he's going to have a hard time blending in either. To say that Victor Wambanyama is loved by Greg Popovich is an understatement. As for Victor Wambanyama, how is he loving Popovich? I mean, if I'm not going to name anybody, but if if the if you if you screw up at one point on something the coach told the coach told you specifically specifically to not do or to do, it's everybody on the line. You run a you run a full court down and back or something else. Depends on how depends on the mood of the coach. Has, uh, <laughs> has Pop yelled at you yet? Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's. Came later than I expected, but yeah, finally. <laughs> have you I'm, been to blame? I'm glad he yelled at me. Have you been to blame for the whole team running yet? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so, no. I hope not. Victor Wamanyama getting two days in getting yelled at means we're in Tim Duncanville now. He didn't wait two days to yell at his newborn baby. Uh, let's move forward to Toronto. God, are they a mess. They are just, oh, God. Masai, stop. Stop talking. He's talking, and he wants to lock down Siakam to an extension, yet has dangled him in trade bait along the way. He is willing to let OG and Anobi walk like Fred Van Fleet with no compensation in return, and he's bringing back a 500 team with chemistry issues with no significant upgrades. So he's got some healing to do and some atoning to do. Did he do it in the press conference? How did he handle it? Uh, maybe I'll start with the Knicks uh, lawsuit. Oh. Um, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I think there has been one time in the history of the NBA that um, a team has sued a team. One time. Shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. Lots of people have questions about the roster. No one is interested in the Knicks suing the Toronto Raptors for stealing scouting reports. Oh, my God. And then he said about the selfishness on the team. He's talking about Pascal Siakam and how, oh, yeah, we love Pascal, but there was a lot of selfishness on this team. Let me just say that. I'll just say selfish, selfish, selfish. 
not this year. We are going to play the right way. Darko, new coach, he's coming out. We're going to play the right way. You know who they love? Not Pascal Siakam. They love Dennis Schroeder. Oh, yeah, Dennis Schroeder, he plays the right way. You see him on Team Germany? They didn't even lose. Not one time. They were champions. Yeah, 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 but me and Pascal, we've had many conversations about playing the right way. Pascal, free Pascal. Get out of there. Do not extend. Do not pass go. Get out of there. Let's move on to the Bay. The Warriors. <sighs> They're dealing with some stuff too. Too many cooks scenario. They have seven starters apparently when there's five starting spots. Draymond, Draymond Green is rumored to be coming off the bench. And when he was asked about it, newest Warrior CP3 uh, said this. You know, for me, uh, I actually had an opportunity in 08. Oh, okay. So once they thought about moving you for um, Drew Holiday, now you're willing to go back uh, on your comments about how you're not going to be coming off the bench. This is a, a random story that he's decided to share. Let's st actually start it again. You know, for me, uh, I actually had an opportunity in 08 to come off the bench for the Olympic team. You know what I mean? And that went pretty well. And I think anybody who knows me knows that I'm all about winning. Okay, goodness gracious. Nothing like referencing an exhibition game from uh, almost two decades ago as evidence as the, what you're you're a winner. I like to win. It worked out okay. I was a I was a six man when I was playing with LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony. I'm fine. As for Steph, uh, he is in classic Steph Curry mode. You've played your whole career in one uniform. How important you you love history of the game. How important is it for you to have? done everything in a Warriors uniform and continue and finish as a Warrior for life, hopefully with Draymond and Clay. Oh my God, are people scared because Dame Lillard just got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks? They're like, hey, Steph, you know you have to stay, right? You know you got to stay. How important is it for you to stay in the Warriors uniform for the rest of your career? Giannis is already asked out. I mean, Dame was the last one, Dame and Steph. Now they're like all scared. Let's finish, see what Steph had to say. As you guys keep going for championships uh, i've said it before it means everything um i'm in my 15th year no need for a change of scenery at this point so um just a matter of like you said being in a position where you can it's not a ceremonial thing it's it's we're really here to win and i'm i'm doing everything i can to continue to be a leader on that front perform at a high level and put ourselves in a position to be championship contenders. You know, you can't control everything. You can't guarantee anything in this league. And every team is trying to, you know, get better. And that's the nature of the competition. But if I can keep doing that every year and, like you said, still represent this organization, all that we've built, it's a dream come true. I love Steph. He's a class, class act. Just a class. He's just like, our dubs, our dubs till I die. I got multiple chips. Finally, we go back to Miami. Uh, in the wake known as Media Day, uh, was hijacked by Jimmy Butler's antics. He was asked about his new emo look, uh, and he said this. Uh, Jimmy, last year you came out with the braids, man. What's what's this? I had dreads like, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah the dreads. What's this? Yeah. This is uh, my emotional state. <laughs> I'm one with my emotions. So this is what you get. Yeah. One with your emotions. Black fingernail polish, multiple lip rings, an eyebrow ring, a nose ring, 
It is anarchy probably etched on the top of his hand. He is in straight morning mode, emo, knowing that he did not get one of the best point guards in the league and he has to rock with Kyle Lowry. Oh, yeah, Kyle Lowry did come to media day and did not speak, but did say ahead of time, hey, I am the starting point guard. When asked about it, Spo said, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Going to be a long year in Miami. Uh, very, very fun for the rest of the NBA. Now, let's talk about the dumpster fire happening in Philadelphia. Find out what's really going on behind the scenes that caused a massive rift between the once very close relationship between James Harden and Sixers GM Daryl Morey. And, of course, what the fuck happens next? We brought on Jerome Weitzman. He interviewed a dozen people close to both sides. He's here to break it all down this is a can't-miss interview. Without further ado, listen in. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. I've already, uh, what you guys don't hear behind the scenes is I accidentally uh, said your own, who's very prominent uh, reporter in the business, love his work, <laughs> that he didn't look good. So we're off to the race this year. <laughs> we're headed for uh, the kind of relationship that James Harden and Daryl Morey have. Yeah, there you go. There you go. In- intense and fractured there you um, go. <laughs> where, how how did we get to this place where Harden is now at war with his team the third team in three years um so that okay so the third team in three years that's almost a separate conversation right in terms of this specific thing um his specific uh beef with Daryl Morey um we can trace it. I wrote a long story to kind of trace this. This goes back years, even decade. Um, but I think the real answer is just the root of who him and Maury are. That's what I wrote about. But that Daryl Maury at his root, I mean, it's all NBA fans know what he is. The cold, calculating guy who wins above loyalty. And yeah, the way I phrase it is that emotions rarely play a role in his decisions. And James Harden is somebody who emotions are basically what or what mostly inform his decisions. And if you have those two, at some point, we were going to hit this, uh, at some point, we we're going to hit this point where there was going to be an issue and there was going to be a problem. And James Harden was not going to realize that maybe he wasn't the max player. And that's, that's not a new story, right? Like we can name Carmelo, Russell Westbrook, Allen Iverson, like we can name in all sports, like the aging superstar. That's, that's an old story. And that's one of the hardest things. Um, and some teams will deal with that maybe and value the loyalty. Um, Daryl Morey at some point was going to tell James Harden no. And James Harden at some point was going to be very angry that Daryl Morey said no. And it was going to end up in this place. Do you think that that, that yeah, did, because you, you talked about how important loyalty is to James Harden. And if I, that's also something very important to me. Um, and I don't necessarily think in business relationships, I'm going to get loyalty. But this crossed the line from a business relationship to a friendship as well, where Daryl Morey had James Harden's painting in his house. So, <laughs> so if, I, if I value loyalty above everything else, the people around me, I want to value loyalty too. And I kind of suss out whether that's something that's important to them. Do you think that James Harden thought he was going to be different as it related to Daryl? And, or did, did he maybe think that this was coming down the pike? No, that's a great question. I think he, I mean, we know the answer that he thought it was possibly coming down just based on his flirting with Houston. And I think that's been a little, that's, I think it's a little more complicated than it's been made out to be, but he was definitely interested and trying to work behind the scenes, see if Houston would be interested in him, right? So you don't do that if you think that 
you're about to get a max contract and that's locked in, right? You do that to try to exact um, some leverage or an some leverage over the guy you're dealing with. So I think they were both pretty on the up and up. And James Harden, I mean, it's, I think it's kind of classic, right? He values, values loyalty in other people. I wouldn't say he's the most loyal person himself, right? And so he saw plenty of, um, there are plenty of examples in Houston of guys who were major pieces in different cores of teams. So Louis Scola, uh, Chuck Hayes, a different, you know, different people. Um, Chris Paul was one who was banished because of James Harden, right? Different people who are part of the part of the group there and got dumped by the Rockets for different reasons. A lot of the times, the reasons were because James Harden was annoyed at them for some reason. Um, and when I to go back, like when we talk about his emotions, it's also he values loyalty. He's also very sensitive, right? And that's something that's important to know in all this. And the idea that if you, I think I have a quote in this, in the story from a former coach, the idea that if you cross James, he's just, you're done with him. If, and that cross could be, you're done to him or in his, yeah, it just, that cross can be the smallest of things, right? Like it was the idea that Chris Paul, we saw Chris Paul wanted to nudge the offense a little away, a little more towards a more egalitarian system, as opposed to James Harden being ball dominant. Nope. No good. Right. Russell Westbrook. Let's go get me Russell Westbrook. That doesn't go well. Okay, I want to get rid of Russell Westbrook and I want out of here. So it's not like he's being a uh, he's a beacon of loyalty himself, which is sort of the ironic part. Um, but I do think he probably saw something like this coming down the pike in terms of the idea that Daryl might try to break up with me, and therefore I'm going to see if I break up with him first. And you know, the problem for him was that the market just wasn't there, and I think the mistake was they didn't properly him and his team didn't properly adjust to the uh, to those circumstances. Yeah, Houston was kind of in the mix all last year, which was kind of bonkers to me when you have a young <laughs> backcourt, right? Young core that you want to give the ball to. Jalen Green went on that podcast P uh, interview and was like, yeah, having Harden here would really stunt my development. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they bring in Ime Udoka. Now there's, there's some, not controversy, but almost – uh, it's hard to decipher how much Ime Udoka played in the role of James Harden not being able to come back to Houston. I saw that you retweeted something uh, from one of your other contemporaries where Ime is trying to set the record straight. What have you heard from people around that situation in terms of like how that dynamic went down? So, I mean, what I'd heard for a while is that Ime, I, forget the, I don't want to, I'm going to say didn't like James Harden. I'm saying like on purpose and close. I don't, I don't think that means personally, right? I don't, I don't think that means there's an issue with him. I just think that means maybe as a player while, while he was in Brooklyn, I should say, right. That something about, and I don't have the specifics of this is why I forget how I phrased it in the story. Maybe he wasn't a fan of his style or whatever, but something about um, their time in Brooklyn made Ime Udoka think that this was not going to be James Harden would not be a good fit for him, for this team that he was inheriting in Houston. Um, and then in the story that went up today, and Zach Lowe has a big story on ESPN about Jalen Green, and uh, you can have the quote there. But Ime Vildoka basically says, yeah, I thought J Fred Van Vliet would be a better fit for us than James Harden. He pushes back on the idea that I don't like James Harden. He ever said that, which, fine. He's also publicly not going to say that. And I don't think he necessarily has a personal issue, but I just think it was very clear that when Ime Udoka got there, um, Houston's appetite for a Harden reunion was really diminished. Yeah, and what was interesting, too, from your article was that both sides have just this very disparate view of the relationship that was going to continue moving forward in the offseason. You say James Harden doesn't feel wanted, and the Sixers really want James Harden. 
Uh, can you just expand on why those both, you know, are so different in terms of their opinions? Yeah, this is kind of the root of it. Like this is, it's like, so where does James Harden's problem? James Harden's problem is he says that, no, of course, let me back up. There's an, there's a, there's an idea being that would James Harden have been okay with anything but a max, right? And we, for that, we have to go back to last year. He takes the pay cut um, to re-sign with the Sixers. So they get PJ Tucker and Daniel House, but really mostly PJ Tucker. Everyone assumes there's a wink, wink that, okay, Harden's going to take a pay cut. Clearly they have a wink, wink that he's going to sign a max next year. The league even investigates that doesn't find anything. The Sixers have denied that, of course. I wrote this. Like, if there was an agreement, it wouldn't be like a text message where Daryl Morey is saying, okay, you do the pay cut. Now I promise you a max contract next year, right? Like, it just, that's not how these things go. Um, I don't know what happened. I'm going to guess what happened is, yeah, we'll take care of you, right? And what everyone takes that, like, that's a very vague sentence, uh, phrasing. Um, and everyone takes that, whatever, uh, to mean whatever they think it's going to mean. James Harden plays this year, most of the year. He probably thinks he's in good shape. He's playing really well. Um, Houston's there. So if Houston's there also as an interested as a team of interest or a team who's interested in him, the market's going to be better. He's thinking, okay, I'll be good with contract. But, um, he has another poor playoff or um, poor game six or seven, I should say. He had a couple of good games in there. Um, Houston is no longer on the market. Uh, if there's anybody who would know that Houston – is off the market it would be daryl morey who's obviously really plugged into what's going on there even though he's not there anymore but you know teams can find these things out um and philly now is saying that the reason we're not negotiating with james harden earlier letting him know that he's wanted is because hey remember last year we were docked a couple of draft picks for negotiating with pj tucker and daniel house early and those guys and therefore this year we're going to be real sticklers for the nba's rules right for the nba's tampering rules and um, free agency timeline um, they've insisted on that in private also. Um, and I'm saying that because could because they insist on him in private too. I'm dubious of that, right? I, I find that that's hard to believe. Um, I think if there was another team that was interested in Harden that they knew of, they would have adjusted accordingly. Um, and I think that's where sort of the breakdown uh, really comes from is that Harden wants to be told at that in those moments, just you, you like me. I know I will actually take less than a max. But just show me that you want me. Uh, Philly is saying, no, you know what? We, we were promising we wanted you. We were going to be there the moment free agency opened. We would have been at your doorstep. Um, we have to wait. We have to wait. Um, and this is where the breakdown is. And it's kind of like a he said, he said. And I don't know. The answers are probably both right, right? Or both right and wrong in how we got here. And I just, I don't know if they can come back from this. And James Harden's probably like, well, I've seen the way Daryl Morey's rocked for the last 10 years. For sure. And if you are changing your the way that you move now, it is sending me into red alert, push the button. I have now no other options but to be strong-armed by, by Philly. So now I'm just going to sign. I'm just going to pick up my player option because if it's a jump ball, fuck you. I actually think I actually use that. that that's a great point, I think. That, that, the idea that he would know and if the he knows how Darren Moore operates and if like you're saying he's changing his methods that's a red flag they know right and this isn't I mean the whole NBA knows how Darren Moore operates he's been around for 20 years has a reputation as being a uh I'll say cold you want to say really uh you know ruthless yeah which again that's like these sometimes are negative words that's you know you can argue it's also his job right so I'm not I'm not saying that in, in that he's doing anything wrong. Um, and this is where the Harden thing becomes so complicated because we can all agree James Harden should not be getting a max, right? And I don't know, like, if you're Philly, Dallas is a great example, right? Kyrie has no other market, none. There's no other market there. They try pretending he's meeting with Phoenix. They do all these things that there's no one else there. And Dallas, 
they could have squeezed them. Instead, they come with whatever, three years, 120, I forget the exact numbers were, right? And I don't know that if they held strong, like, is, was there anyone else coming close to that? Probably not. They decided that to them, it was more important to have Kyrie in and sign and have him be happy, right? I'm not saying that's the right move, right? That could have been wrong. We will see. Um, Daryl Morey's doing the opposite way, right? Going with a different, or was, was going with a different path. So again, I guess I should point out, they insist that they were not going to go a different path, that at some point they would have offered hard in a contract. I don't know. I have no numbers. I don't know. But at some point they would have offered a hard in a contract that would have been, you know, valuable and he would have been happy with. Um, and this way you can go drive yourself in circles also because like Daryl Morey knows as well as anyone how sensitive James Harden is. So he's probably also thinking, I assume, wait, if he only wants a max, is he going to be happy with anything we offer? Like I can come day one and offer him, I don't know, I'm making, I'm making this up three for 120. And he's going to say, fuck you. No, I don't want that. I want a max. I'm James Harden. And it creates a whole issue there. So this is why I go back to the original thing we were talking about, that I just think this relationship at some point was destined to wind up in this area, in this, in this area where they're both, where someone has a problem with the other. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Kyrie. And I think that's really fascinating because Daryl Morey knows that Kyrie is even more, knows that Harden is even more disruptive when he's unhappy than Kyrie is and Kyrie can be a big thorn in your side as well which makes sense why Dallas wants to keep him happy because they really ultimately want to keep Luca happy I'm curious if anyone brought up the dynamic between Harden and Embiid and whether that was something that was in the Sixers mind they put all this effort into this process you talked about that uh, in your book tanking to the top just how long it's taken for them to become a contender and now it feels like the linchpin of this this process is now James Harden. So how much do you think that played into it as well? Yeah, I mean, that's a big part. Daryl Morey, like the, the reason James Harden was, the, the root of that relationship was the idea that Daryl Morey thought James Harden was a top five, top three, whatever player he was, an all-time great who could uh, win them, carry them to a title, and therefore – uh, building a team that accentuates his skills and around him and also doing certain things on the fringes, whether it's practice times or uh, certain teammates or coaches, whatever, keeping him happy. That was, he wasn't doing that because he loved James Harden as a person. I mean, he was, that, that was part of it, but it's because no, my job's to win. And the best way to win is James Harden effective and happy. Right. The same thing's going to be the case now with Joel Embiid. Like that, that, that relationship is now going to be, that's going to be the new, uh, the new foundational relationship. And, Daryl Morey knows that, right? And he knows, he, I, I think he said this before in the record, but, you know, managing up, whether it's a, uh, towards ownership or towards your superstar, that's an essential part of being a GM. So managing the, managing Joel Embiid and making sure he's satisfied and feeling comfortable and happy in his current situation. Like I think Daryl Morey would probably say that's at the top of his priority list. Like that is his job. And because it goes in his view, and he's probably right, that goes hand in hand with, that's the same thing as trying to win a title. Like those are the same, those two things are the same. That's the same thing. That's the same goal. Um, so to bring it full circle, like to bring, answer your question. Yeah. He's, he's having conversations with him. I, I don't know what those are. Um, and beat somebody who likes to, uh, he likes the Monday morning quarterback uh, basketball decisions. We saw the Jimmy Butler, right. When Jimmy, he's talked a lot about how he always wanted Jimmy Butler and he didn't want him to leave. And he always wished to bring him back. That was, he never made that clear. I mean, I know that he never made that clear to anybody at the time. Like they, if, if he had made clear that he wanted Jimmy Butler to still be there, I don't know if he, he probably would have still been there or it would have been a big, bigger discussion. He never made that clear only after the fact Did he, did he, uh, 
say that, you know, I think Jimmy Butler should have stayed. And he's done this with other decisions too, you know, kind of poke afterward. Um, so then I think the Sixers perspective on this would be like, okay, if he's going to Monday morning quarterback us, we might as well do what we think is best for our basketball team. Cause it's, if it doesn't work out, it's not like he's going to say, Oh, you know what? I was on board with that. And I was also wrong. Um, so in terms of like, and B knows they need Harden or he knows they need another star. I guess at this point, what's he going to do? Like, he's not going to ask out for a trade now. Um, the end of this year, you know, a season in basketball is a long, long time. But right now, this they're just managing it. So uh, I, I don't get the Nick Nurse hiring. Uh, <laughs> because especially considering in your article, you talked about how James Harden was consulted on the head coach decision. And in Houston. In Houston, yeah. In in. In Houston or in Philly? And those were in Houston. Here, I don't know if he, I don't know if he was consulted here. I don't know. I don't know either way. So Doc Rivers fired because yeah. <laughs> mostly he was trying to help hold James Harden accountable, right? James Harden's traveling to Vegas. He's you know in the playoffs. He's back in Houston whenever it's an off day. And what the reporting was, not yours, but other reporting was that. You know, that was a key crux of Doc Rivers being let go is that he was trying to put the screws on Harden. Nick Nurse comes in. He's even more of a accountability guy than even Doc Rivers is. Way less of a player's coach we've now seen in terms of how he moved when he was in Toronto. Does that, like, does that fit make sense for a James Harden-led team, in your opinion? No, it's uh no, it's a little it's the it's a little interesting. I'm a little not surprising, confusing. Here's a better way to say it. I found I have found it really interesting. So they started camp. I'm not there, but you were reading the quotes coming out, and Tobias Harris and Daniel House both specifically. Forget even when a coach talks about their system. That's different, right? Because whatever they say, they're gonna do coach speak. But Tobias Harris and Daniel House have both specifically talked about how it's gonna be very different this year with uh, Coach Nurse, who's emphasizing ball movement and player movement and getting guys on the move, not just standing around. And, you know, people can look up those quotes. I think Daniel House even mentioned not like what Doc did, I think, which I found funny. Um, those are not uh, basketball philosophies that you think of as uh, as meshing with James Harden's style and game. Um, so I, I'm with you. I find it interesting. It makes me almost, you know, as a basketball fan, I'm fast. I kind of want to see James Harden on the court and just see, like, what this looks like. And maybe there could be an interesting and cool uh, – middle ground found that can lift it all up. Um, so that part's interesting. I think, but, but I think the answer to your question is I don't think Harden is the, when the Sixers are going to find the head coach, I don't think Harden was the priority, right? It's Embiid and Nick Nurse is somebody who they think can unlock Embiid in new ways. And to be fair, Doc Rivers, like Embiid got much better under Doc Rivers. And again, I don't know who to credit for this. I never know. Everyone, everyone ends up taking credit for it all, right? But with Doc Rivers there and Beat evolved, we saw the stuff with the on the elbow last year where he became this unstoppable force. Um, so you have to give Rivers a little credit for that at the least. Um, but I think they think that Nurse can unlock the offense and an Embiid-centric offense in ways that they haven't seen in around uh, playoff time. Also, Nick Nurse has a relationship, previous relationship with Daryl Morey. Going back to Houston, he was the G League coach for Morey in Houston. So I think those would be the those are the relationships and the uh, the people I look towards in terms of trying to understand why they hired Nick Nurse, not trying to build everything around James Harden. But I'm with you. I'm fascinated to see what this would look like. Yeah, me too. How like those comments that James made in China were <laughs> were really really interesting in terms of the location. Yeah. In terms of the timing, obviously the Hong Kong, free Hong Kong stuff that Daryl Morey put out, 
got him a ton of heat from the league. It got the league penalized in a big way. Do you think that was premeditated? I know people think that. This is going to sound me. I, I don't know if James Harden is uh, – that's a lot of dots to connect, right? I, I don't know if that – if it is – if if it was, I almost respect it more. That's funny that sounds. Like, that would just be going full blast. I think it was more a coincidence. Well, two parts. I think it was a coincidence that the t- of the timing, right? So that was, I believe, like a Monday. I don't remember. Was it a Monday or a Tuesday? I think it was a Monday. Um, and like the previous Thursday or Friday, ESPN had reported that the Sixers were uh, ending uh, trade conversations and expected Harden in camp. So I think that's it was a reaction to that. Um, I don't. I think the China. If I'm guessing, uh, I think James Harden make those comments in China have less to do with him trying to poke at Daryl Morey, though that'd be funny. Um, versus this clearly a comfort he feels there and a and a love that he feels from the public there that he doesn't necessarily feel in situations here, right? And there, he thought he was talking to his partisans, his people in that situation. And I feel like that's why he, that's where that came from. I don't think the comment was premeditated, at least, you know, I don't think his camp, if it was premeditated with his camp, maybe, you know, Harden said he was going to do something, but I don't think his camp had like laid that out as a smart move. Um, yeah, but I think it was just is a comfort he feels there in China. So uh, you mentioned the comfort that he's not feeling here, sort of stateside. So he's kind of always, to me, from what I've heard from around the league, known to be someone who, like you said, very sensitive, has a chip on his shoulder, didn't play for a blue chip school like Kentucky or Duke, ended up going to ASU, was the number three draft pick, but still was a six man. Uh, on an OKC team, like from what you understand, where is this sensitivity, this chip on the shoulder, this cross me once and I'll cut you off forever? Like, what is it inside of him externally around him that has created that, if you know, if anyone has mentioned other circumstances that they could point to? It's a great question. I don't have a good answer. I wish I did. I profiled him last year and I did like a 40 minute interview with him, which you don't, you know, I don't pretend you get to know people uh, well on those, but it, it gives you some insight. Um, and the biggest thing, I, <laughs> my biggest takeaway from that doesn't fully answer your question, but it's related is like, he was so his, his go-to move is um, I don't care what people think and, or I don't pay attention to what people say like when they say X, Y, Z, and then quote exactly what they say, right? It was like, it was like he did that repeatedly. And I think I even said that to him at some point. I wish I had it remembered. I said nicely, you know, just, you know, you say this, but clearly you do care. And he got to it. And I, the answer we ended up getting to that I found interesting is it, there's a legacy play with him for sure that he's aware of, right? And that goes back to the title chasing. Uh, I should say title chasing. He knows he needs a title, right? Uh, he wants to be remembered as an all-time great. I, I, if I'm guessing, I don't know. I don't know in terms of like, uh, you know, psychology or, or child. I'm sure there's deeper, more interesting answers that I wouldn't be able to touch on or wouldn't have insight into. Um, I do think there's a tension between him correctly realizing that he's somebody who changed the game of basketball, right? He was. He said this to me, like, I changed the game of basketball. And he's completely right about that. All-time great. He changed the game. Uh, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. And not changed the game in an annoying way. Like, he's an all-time great offensive player. Um, but there are these caveats to his career. You know, if you look at his legacy, his resume, where, you know, so a lot of playoff failures, uh, no championship. And 
it's going to be like, he's almost at the point, you know, with stars, they hit a point where if you're, if you're so good in one category, then we accentuate your negatives where like, if he wasn't quite that good, we would kind of ignore the negatives, if that makes sense. So yeah. he's at the point where he's so good that we have to then uh, emphasize the, the, the problems or the deficiencies. And that almost overshadows the, that conversation overshadows the greatness. And I think that's something that he's, sensitive to and i get that um i don't think he's helping himself in terms of how he go how he's going about trying to address that yeah and i don't think he's really helping himself in terms of getting him out either it feels like if he wasn't being so loud about things then maybe it would be easier for other teams to want to at least explore trading for him um but he's kind of a headache and a declining asset and it seems like the Clippers are the only ones with interest. And Daryl Morey, like he did with Ben Simmons, is going to want a haul. They're going to want at least a young player that they can build around or some pieces to turn into another marquee player. Um, but what you're reporting is, is that James Harden is, you would not be, somebody said to you close to you, or a source close to Harden, excuse me, wouldn't be surprised if he returns and is destructive. Yeah. What What is... Did they ex like expand on what destructive could? Well, we've seen it with him anyway, right? Now he was good citizen yesterday. Um, we've seen it in the lazy pass. Like, well, we've seen it. Um, I don't know if he'll do well as a Ben Simmons. Did he have a phone in his pocket? I'm trying to remember. Was that? Did we ever yeah. figure out if it was a phone or if it wasn't a phone? I, I do want to go back on a couple of things. So a few things. What you mentioned, Daryl Morey. This I think is two parts. What you the things you said, right? You mentioned Daryl Morey uh, wants a haul and is going to hold out. It's more than that. It's that he needs. He's, he's backed into a corner, right? Like if he screws this up, if, if the Harden thing gets screwed up and let's say he just gave it and traded Harden for, I don't know, Norman Powell and some of the Clippers junk, right? And like they lose in the first round, they get swept by the Celtics or losing five. Uh, Daryl Morey, his job's on the line and Joel Embiid might ask out and, you, and then you're, you're in charge of that. So it's not even like Ben Simmons, you could argue that was more of a, uh, a uh, I don't know, eagle play right now. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna hold out. I'm gonna show you guys so I can do this. Like, he has no choice here. He cannot mess this up. He cannot take 50 cents on the dollar. Otherwise, Embiid's probably gonna be gone, right? And that's a huge issue. And that's why I agree with you that Harden's not handling this properly, right? And I think his camp thinks there's teams who are interested in him. I have done this publicly. It doesn't seem like that. Uh, I haven't heard of anyone. And, you know, we saw the Damian Lillard, like, guys asking out, the way to do it is you can ask out. You gotta, you gotta let the GM, the team create a market. Like you can tell, tell your team quietly who your preference is, but if you do that, you just make it harder for them to trade you. The best example, everyone always talks about Anthony Davis going to the Lakers, but if you remember, like we all knew he wanted to go to the Lakers. He didn't say that publicly. Like there was some, oh wait, maybe the Celtics or maybe the Knicks. Like there was enough out there that New Orleans could, you know, work the market work the phones a little bit or create some sort of leverage and get a deal that worked for them and in the end you get a win-win like James Harden is preventing has taken that opportunity away from the Sixers and that's a problem well what's interesting about what you said is I, I remember Rich Paul did say out in the open you know Anthony Davis is only going to re-sign with LA but the thing that's different about the Clippers versus the Lakers in this circumstance is Kawhi and PG don't have nearly the amount of power that LeBron James has within that organization, or at least that LeBron James had back then in terms of, I want this guy. 
And even if Paul George and Kawhi did have that power, they're not asking for James Harden. James Harden's not at the caliber of player as Anthony Davis was, or at least has the upside of Anthony Davis. Right, you could say no. You could say no on that if you're the Clippers. Um, now I think they actually are interested in him. I just think they know that like, well, what's our rush? You know, <laughs> there's no one else here. Like, what? Why are we going to give everything up? What's the point here? So we can just wait it out. And we could probably just wait until he's a free agent if he plays nice. You know, yep. we can get him at twenty cents on the dollar like we did Russell Westbrook, which which is very fascinating that Harden and Russell Westbrook could potentially be teammates. Yeah, that is, that would be hilarious. And I'm sure they'll say that, you know, no, we were never, we never had issues. We were always friends. The media overblew it, blah, 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 blah. Both dudes though are very stubborn, right? Daryl Morey and Harden. Uh, For sure. For sure. Which is probably what makes them great at what they, you know, they're both great in their respective fields and have, you know, become one percenters in their areas. Who do you think breaks first? Um... I wouldn't say break. I think the Sixers, I think Harden has less leverage than the Sixers. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I go in circles on this because it's like, I say that, but Harden could nuke the whole season. Like everyone is familiar now with the CBA thing that's been getting a lot of press that you have to show up if you go 30 days without showing up or whatever the proper language is. But like, you can show up, but there's nothing against hamstring injury or throwing, uh, you know, lazy behind the back passes or not playing defense. Like a team can't dock you pay for that. They can bench you. But this goes back to what I'm saying that, like, you know, if the six or season goes in the tank, that's a big issue for them. Um, so do I break for I, I genuinely I have I do not know. I, I this is not a good answer. Like, I don't know. I don't see how this ends. I don't know how this ends. I have trouble seeing it. To me, the only way to me, the answer is that the season starts and stuff happens around the league and maybe another team decides, hey, you know, what, we will take a shot on him and that changes the market I, that's kind of my answer on this that like i don't know let's say miami gets off to a bad start i'm making up a team right or jimmy butler gets hurt or whatever okay so maybe we'll take a shot on james harden that would be a funny marriage james harden with pat riley heat culture in south beach um but may, i don't know maybe like that to me is the answer that just once the season starts and stuff happens and some teams have disappointing uh uh outcomes or events or results um, that then creates a bit of a market and that allows this thing to kind of get kickstarted and rolling. Do you think there's any possibility of reconciliation? Um, I guess the good, the, the, so that's a, that's a, a James Harden question, right? Like I, Daryl Morey, I don't think he can like, yeah, he has like been called a liar. If James Harden's back, he, it, this is not personal to him. Like I, he's fine with that. That's, I guess the upside of his, uh, approach to the job right it's not like oh this guy is blasting me um let me let me i'm gonna i'm done with him like i'm done so that's a james harden question and for him it's more about like will he come to realize that the market for him is probably not what it once was and honestly the bet like he wants to get paid again the best answer is for him he's got now he's on an expiring deal which he probably shouldn't have picked up if he wanted out but now he's on this expiring deal uh his best move is to just play really well and, and I mean, listen, I'm not going to tell anyone to be unhappy at work, but if he's, if he's prioritizing uh, getting paid again, his best move is to play really well and hit the open market next year as a free agent. So I, I do think there's a path there. And I guess the good, the, uh, the good news about all the gray areas about who's offended who and who was offering who a contract and at what time that I mentioned earlier is that it leaves a bit of wiggle room for, you know, you know what, this is actually a misunderstanding. Uh, we wanted you the whole time and you just didn't realize and let's actually get in a room and talk about it. And maybe they can all convince themselves that like, no, we're all cool. So 
I do think there's a possibility. I wouldn't say hi, but I, I, I do think there's a possibility. Man. So you wrote a book, uh, Tanking to the Top, the Philadelphia 76ers and the most audacious process in the history of professional sports, which basically is egregious tanking, uh, nine win seasons, just stuff that was, uh, I mean, only the Portland Trailblazers trying to get Scoot Henderson yeah. and Shaden <laughs> Sharp are probably on the level of that. So if, if Philadelphia does not actually ever get a championship as a result of how badly they were on purpose. Is this the, in your opinion, like just to wrap it up, the greatest NBA failure <laughs> in, in, or at least the biggest failure in their franchise's history? In the Sixers, yeah. Like, so failures, there's, um, there's a list, they're up there. It's a different kind of list, right? So you can think of, uh, there's like the Dwight Steve Nash Lakers, which was a fun one. The Nets twice, right? The Kevin Garnett, Darren Williams Nets, and then, I think the Kyrie, Kevin Durant one, uh, that might take the cake in terms of just biggest what if. Um, this, though, I do think it's one of a kind. And I, by the way, I'm not a Philly guy. I live in New York. Like, it's not like people, I'm not a Sixers fan. I just, I just attracted to this story because it's just so ridiculous. Like, it's it's not just that they haven't made it past the second round. Like, there was a, the process started with trading Drew Holiday after a second round uh, after losing the second round and 10, 11, whatever years now, 11 years later, um, they still haven't advanced past the second round. Like that's wild. Right. And it's not like they got Joel Embiid. So they have the MVP. So it's not like they haven't had the ability to be there. Just they've been derailed by all sorts of nonsense. And it's all the nonsensical scandals that make this a unique story. Right. The Frank Langell burner gate and two number one picks who forget how to shoot. Like that's on, that's unheard of. Right. And Fulton Simmons, uh, is you can go down the list as Sam Hinkie being ousted and just it's it's just down more than coming back like Sam Hinkie's mentor coming back it just it's just um the I don't know it's like it's straight off a TV show right it's like it's too it's too ridiculous to be true so that's what I think separates it it's not just the encore failures it's that what have it's the uh the scandals or issues that have led to those encore failures is what makes this different well I'm going to be fascinated to see how this ends uh awesome stuff probably the most comprehensive breakdown into Daryl Morey and Harden's relationship and why it was, you know, really beneficial for a very long time, but always doomed to fail. Definitely check that out at foxsports.com. Uh, do you have anything else, Yaron, that you want to plug? Yeah. Check me on Twitter. Uh, own White X, excuse me. X. Sorry. Right. Uh, the linkless X these days. Y A R O N W E I T Z M A N. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's do it again sometime. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's all the time that we have for this episode of The Heat Check. Thanks a million to your own for coming on last minute. That interview was dope. Come back next Monday for an all-new episode and check out the feed for past interviews and many episodes that drop unexpectedly as well. Follow The Heat Check as we head into the new NBA season. Do not forget to download, subscribe, and tell all your friends, every single one of them. Tell them. Tell them what's up and follow us on social at this heat check on Trista Crick on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for listening in. We'll see you next time.